play the game of love, we need to be interiorly free, perfectly free, free from ourselves. That's a quote from Father Joseph Kentonick, founder of the Shunstadt Movement, whose anniversary of his ordination to the priesthood we celebrate in July. Father Kentonick was ordained to the priesthood on July 8th, 1910. And of course, this is the podcast for July of 2023. So we turn to our founder in light of the anniversary of his ordination on July 8th back in 1910, and we seek his wisdom, his counsel, and what Holy Mother Church has given us through this movement and through her teachings. This month, we're going to focus on the theme of freedom, looking at Father Kentonick's words here. Again, let me repeat them to you once more. To play the game of love, we need to be interiorly free, perfectly free, free from ourselves. We're going to unpack that today as we talk about this theme of freedom. What does that mean to be free from ourselves, to be interiorly free? What does that have to do with freedom as we understand it? What does the church teach us about that? And what really prompted all of this, um, this topic, was what does the Vatican have to say about the apostolic movement of Schoenstatt? How does Holy Mother Church define us, our role, and our mission in the world? So let's go ahead and put ourselves in the presence of God and open with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I trust your might, your kindness, Mother dear. I do believe that you are always near. Schoenstatt's great queen, O Mother mild, I blindly trust in you and in your child. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So as I said, what prompted all of this as I was going through some documentation, some writings on what we could talk about on this month's episode. And I was led to the Vatican's website where Holy Mother Church lists all of the um, lay associations of the faithful. And right at the top, and I'll go ahead and I will put that website in the show notes. So if you're interested in checking it out yourself, you can. But right at the top, you will see the Apostolic Movement of Schoenstatt. They're listed in alphabetical order. So Apostolic Movement of Schoenstatt, you'll see that at the top. And in each of these, you'll there's the, the name of it, when it was established, the history, the identity, a little bit about the movement itself. In reading about the history and the identity of Schoenstatt, as listed here, um, really reminded me of our roots, reminded me of what, what we're doing as a movement or what we're striving to do. And so, again, that's what we're going to talk about on the episode. I'm going to read to you from that little... Um, well, it's not really a full document, but just that, that information now. Um, the history. The Apostolic Movement of Schoenstatt was founded by a young Palatine priest, Joseph Kentonick, who was alive from 1885 to 1968, who was given the pastoral care of a student house at Schoenstatt near Koblenz, Germany in 1912, which has given the movement its name. In performing his task, Father Kentonick soon felt the need to combine the truths of the faith with the needs of the times and for a new type of education for the young people entrusted to his care, springing from the intimate depths of man, making people free and capable of making responsible choices. The charter founding the movement is called the Covenant of Love, which Father Kensenick and his students on 18th of October 1914 sealed with Mary and with the Blessed Trinity in the Shrine Chapel. And then it goes on to give a little bit about the history. I'm going to highlight one little sentence in there. Um, so Father Kentonick soon felt the need to combine the truths of the faith with the needs of the time and for a new type of education for the young people entrusted to his care, 
springing from the intimate depths of man, making people free and capable of making responsible choices. So here we get in the history of the movement itself, the the founding heart of, of what Father Kensinick was founding in the beginning as he had these young students in his care. He saw the need for them to be free, right? Free, interiorly free, free and capable of making responsible choices. All right. So he takes that seriously. How can we go about doing this? In this Vatican, again, it's not a document, but in this Vatican information, um, we can go now to the next section, which is called the identity. So let's continue. This is, again, what has prompted this topic of discussion this month on freedom. Faithful to the teachings of the founder, the apostolic movement of Schoenstatt aims at forming personalities and Christian communities that are capable of freely supporting God's plan in the world in which they live. The formation proposed by the movement is based on self-education, faith in providence, the pursuit of holiness in daily life, and readiness and willingness to be instruments in God's hands. The particular purpose of the movement is the spiritual renewal of Christians, which is achieved by promoting educational and religious activities and social projects, also in cooperation with other ecclesial movements. So in this, and if you missed it, let me kind of unpack it a little bit. We kind of get, these are my words, but we kind of get three different questions answered. We get the what of what Shunstad is. We get how the the movement goes about um, making that happen, that what, and then we get why. Why, why, or why are we doing this at all? So let's begin with the why, because that's always the best place to start. If we lose sight of the why, we, we will eventually lose sight of everything else. The why listed in this identity paragraph is the particular purpose. The particular purpose of the movement is what? This is the why. The spiritual renewal of Christians. Okay, go back to what the history of, right? That Father Kensinick is recognizing the signs of the time. He's recognizing that these, these students, this, these people entrusted to his care need a new type of education that springs from the intimate depths of man, making people free and capable of making responsible choices. Okay, so the why of the movement is the spiritual renewal of Christians. Okay, but what? So what what is this? What does this mean? Schoenstatt aims at forming personalities and Christian communities that are capable of freely supporting God's plan in the world in which they live. Freely supporting God's plan. Here's the what. Here's what Schoenstatt is aiming at, right? Here's the what of all of this. Forming personalities, forming Christian communities that are capable of freely supporting God's plan. And then, of course, the how. How do we go about doing this? That's in the formation. The formation proposed by the movement is based on what? It's based on self-education. It's based on faith in providence. It's, it's based on the pursuit of holiness in daily life and readiness and willingness to be instruments in God's hands. These are all themes we've unpacked, of course, on the podcast before. There are themes that if you've made your covenant of love with the Blessed Mother that, that you've unpacked as you study the history of the movement, the spirituality of the movement, and as you prepare to make your covenant of love. So that's probably not new information, although it's always good to have a reminder, isn't it? But this, this idea of going back to the quote of Father Kentenich, to play the game of love, we need to be interiorly free perfectly free, free from ourselves. What does this actually mean to be free? 
So Father Kensenick, the history of the movement, to make people free, to make them capable of making responsible choices. The Shunstadt aims at forming personalities in Christian communities that are capable of freely supporting God's plan. What does it actually mean to be free? And of course, I think I said this at the beginning, but we are in the month of July in the United States. Of course, we celebrate our country's independence on July 4th. So many of us are probably just getting beyond celebrating that. But again, every year that should that should beg us to think, what does it actually mean to be free? And here's the good news about all of this. We don't have to make this up. We don't have to make this up. And we also and we also don't really have to go digging that far to find these answers because we have this beautiful gift in our Catholic faith, in the Holy Catholic Church, this beautiful gift that gives us the teachings of our faith. And this gift, of course, that I'm talking about is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So I'm going to encourage you to pull out your Catechism, or if you don't have a copy, you can just put this in your web browser, type in CCC, Catechism of the Catholic Church, and I'm going to give you the paragraph numbers here, and there'll be an online document where you can access this online without having the physical book in your hands. But the paragraphs you're going to want to look at to really understand what what we're talking about here anyway in terms of man's freedom and what Father Kentenich is is shedding light on here and what we're talking about in the history and identity of the movement, this type of freedom, you're going to want to begin by looking at paragraphs 1730 through 1748. So pull out your catechism, put a little bookmark in it, 1730 to 1748, and you can spend the weeks, you know, this next month before we're together again on our next podcast, really digesting what's in there. Again, if you don't have a catechism in front of you, consider getting yourself one. But if that's not an option, just just go online, CCC, type in CCC 1730 to 1748, and you'll, you'll be able to just pull this up, click the link and it'll pull right up. Should anyway. So in this, this information, again, we don't. when I ask the question, what does it truly mean to be free? We don't have to make this up. We don't have to sit in a room. We don't have to say, well, what does it mean to you, Susie? Well, what about you, Bob? What does it mean to you to be free? What about you in the back? When, when I say freedom, what does it mean to you? Those would all be subjective answers, right? Subjective answers based on our own opinions, um, our own perspective of things. Well, I think freedom means X, Y, Z, and I'm free when I can do X, Y, Z. That's a subjective reality. But we have objective truths. We can go to the source of truth itself. We can go to Jesus Christ, God, who became man to save us. We can go to the teachings of the church that were entrusted to us by Christ himself when he was here in the flesh and established Holy Mother Church through the first Pope, Peter, right? We have access to all of this objective truths, so we don't have to make this up. Isn't that amazing news? Yes, it is. So please go to your catechism, 1730 to 1748. We're not going to go over the whole section here, but just a couple of the sentences, a couple of the paragraphs. First, to begin, what is freedom? Okay, paragraph 1730 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church reads, God created man as a rational being, conferring on him the dignity of a person who can initiate and control his own actions. I'm going to stop there. There's more to that paragraph, but there's enough here that will prove what we're talking about. God created man a rational being, conferring on him the dignity of a person who can initiate and control his own actions. We're not animals, as, as great as animals are. Maybe you're, you're a pet person, you have a beloved pet in your house, whatever that is, who, you know, will say dog is man's best friend or whatever that is. Um, 
and please forgive me, I'm not, I'm not a pet person, but you, the th- the difference between the dignity of an animal, as great as animals may be, and a human being is great. Animals don't have rational thought, right? Like we as human beings have. We are created as rational beings. God has given us a dignity, dignity. Where, what does it mean to have the dignity of a person? It means that we can initiate and control our own actions. That's the essence of what freedom is. The Catechism in paragraph 1731 gives us a, a definition. Freedom is the power rooted in reason and will to act or not to act, to do this or that, and so to perform deliberate actions on one's own responsibility. Okay, I'm going to stop there again. Freedom is the power rooted in reason and will to act or not to act. So we as human beings have this power that dignifies us as created man and created woman that we can initiate and control our own actions. So when are we truly free? When are we truly interiorly free? As Father Kensinick saying, to play the game of love, we need to be interiorly free, perfectly free, free from ourselves. What does that mean? How do what does this mean to be totally free, interiorly free? It means we are in control of our will and our actions. We can decide to do the good or to avoid evil. That means that habits, bad habits don't control us, right? What is a vice? A vice is a bad habit, right? What's a virtue? A virtue is a habit to do the good, right? The section on virtues in the catechism is also top-notch if you're looking for some other um, summer reading. Um, A virtue is a habitual response to do the good, right? Vice is the opposite of that, the habit to do evil, to do wrong. And so part of being free is we're not creatures of habit. We make the choice to do the good, even if we've gotten into bad habits of doing the wrong, right? And of course, none of this happens overnight or anything like that. Um, But that's part of being free is we have that free will to choose, to choose right and to choose Uh, right, to choose to do the good and choose to avoid the evil. Does that make sense? So freedom is not what culture would define freedom as, of to do whatever I want with whoever I want, whenever I want. Then I'm free, right? I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whoever I want, and then I'm free. No, that's not being free. Actually, what that is, is being a slave. A slave to what? A slave to your emotions, a slave to your drives or your um, impure desires even, a slave to the world, a slave to the way the world or um, maybe even those around you are tempting you, right? We become a slave to our egos, to our passions. And being a slave to these things does not mean we're free because we've lost that ability to make that free choice, right? Whereas someone who's walking this path of holiness, the saints that have gone before us, they've become so detached. Detached might be another word that we can use that might um, help us understand what this means to be free, right? If we look at freedom as um, detachment, right? These men and women who have gone before us became, and it was slow over the course of their lives perhaps, but detached, right? where they were so detached from the three enemies of the world, right? The three, I'm sorry, the three enemies that are always fighting against us. And what are those three enemies? The world, 
the flesh, our own flesh, our ego, and Satan himself, right? The evil forces against us. Those are the three enemies that are always at work trying to lead us astray. The world, our flesh, and evil, right? Okay. By the way, I'm not making this up. This is like church teaching in the catechism. It's not just like Julia just pulling this out of thin air. Actually, for the first time, I'm not. I'm not. It's in there. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Anyway, so we're fighting against these things, these enemies that that want to hinder us, that want to... Um, stall any sort of spiritual progress um, that want to um, confuse us and tempt us and lead us astray. These are the enemies that are always opposed to us. And a truly free person, even if these things are um, tempting, let's say you're being tempted of by some of the lies of the world, or you're being tempted by some of the desires of your flesh. Let's say, you know, you just ate an entire pizza, but you know, you also want to eat the entire pie that's sitting in front of you, right? So you're being tempted by gluttony, by overdoing that, by overeating or whatever it might be. The free person the truly free person, truly interiorly free, would maybe be staring that temptation of, at, in the face, but would be able to make the free act of the will using their reason and their will, like we talked about, freedom is the power rooted in reason and will to either act or not to act. So they would be able to look at everything in front of them on the in the buffet line, right? And even if they're tempted to eat it all and then be sick after... <laughs> They could reason their way through it and say, okay, I know this isn't what's best for me. I know that if I eat that, I'm going to have these issues, be they short-term issues or long-term issues. Plus, I know that gluttony is a sin and I don't want to be displeasing to God. Um, and, and gluttony is a sin because it's not in my better interest, not because God just is having fun at telling us, no, no, that's not the reality. It's not in my good um, to do that. And so I'm reasoning that this isn't what's best for me, right? I'm using that gift of reason that God gave me. And I'm making an act with my will to say, no, I'm not going to eat that, right? And that person who can do that is truly interiorly free, at least from that one temptation of gluttony, right? So you can imagine we as human beings become attached and perhaps even addicted, um, enslaved to all sorts of different things, right? And so the Lord is always at work in us and through us when we continue to cooperate with the graces that he sends into our life, when we continue to root ourselves in our life of prayer, in the sacraments of the church, when we're making regular confessions and we're receiving him in his body and blood and his grace is fully alive and we're living in this state of grace, then he's always sending us the grace to grow in our, our self-will, right? To grow in the ability to say yes to the things that we should be saying yes to, right? And that would include standing up for what's truth, even if we're, we know we're going to be persecuted, um, you know, things like that. And then also to say no to the things that we know we should be saying no to. That, my friends, is a definition of freedom, interior freedom, that we have that ability to say yes, to say no by reason and by will, right? And it doesn't mean that we're not going to be tempted. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be weighed down. It doesn't mean that we're not going to battle. In fact, it means the opposite. We're going to do all of those things, but we're going to use this beautiful gift that God has given us, that he dignifies human beings because he's given us this gift, this gift to control our actions. And we're going to say yes, or we're going to say no. 
Now the catechism goes into a lot um, in this section, that paragraph 1730 to 1748, because sometimes we know there's there's psychological things going on, or sometimes we're we're ignorant um, about about what's right and about what's wrong by by no fault of our own. You know, maybe we grew up in a home where the faith wasn't taught to us. Um, maybe we're living in um, you know an area that's secluded from religion, and so we don't know these things, um, and so we're acting on instinct and our reason hasn't been formed and so we're not making good decisions and so um the catechism talks about when that's the case you know what 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 you know where how that kind of works out but for our purposes here what we're talking about is not necessarily the they're not disclaimers but you know that the fine print to all of this what we're talking about is just what is a definition of freedom in and of itself based on what we're talking about here and what Father Kentenich is talking about here in this quote. To play the game of love, we need to be interiorly free, perfectly free, free from ourselves. And what does this mean as a movement that we are aiming at forming personalities and Christian communities that are capable of freely supporting God's plan in the world in which they live? right? And one of the, per- the ways we are formed in this is self-education right? We know this. We need to get to know ourselves. What are the things that you are enslaved to? What are the things, the temptations that you are battling? What are the ways in which you are not free? And these are things that we could invite the Holy Spirit into our lives as we're making examinations, right? As we're examining ourselves at the end of every day, um, more thoroughly as we're examining ourselves before we go um, to make a sacramental confession, we can ask the, invite the Holy Spirit to shed a little light on the things or the people or whatever it is that we're enslaved to, that we're attached to. And then little by little, step by step, right? We admit that we, we are, right? That's the first step to healing is admitting, oops, I have a problem here. I'm enslaved to um, the view of, you know, I'm enslaved to the opinions of others, what other people think of me. I'm enslaved to um, what I wear. I'm enslaved to what I'm eating. I'm enslaved, you know, whatever. We can become enslaved, fill in the blank, right? But you invite the Holy Spirit in and little by little, step by step, you allow the Lord's grace to heal you, to transform you, to educate you, right? And to grow you in holiness so that slowly, 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 you can allow the Lord to snip these threads that are attaching you to these things or to these people or to these ideas, to these lies, whatever it might be, and you therein become more and more free, right? And as Father Kentonick is saying, to play this game of love, we need to be interiorly free, perfectly free, free from ourselves. Okay. So again, we're not going to dissect all of this in detail because it's way beyond my pay grade. <laughs> it's way beyond my ability to do that. Instead, I'm going to really surrender all of this idea um, and what we're talking about here back into your life and into the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in you. I'm going to invite you and encourage you to pull out your catechism, read paragraphs 1730 to 1748, go to the show notes on this website, click on this the Vatican document, and then um, click on the Apostolic Movement of, of Schoenstatt, click on that link, click on the Apostolic Movement of Schoenstatt, and read, read this little bit of history, the little bit of the identity of the movement that I've read to you on the show, so that you can continue this study on your own time, right? In, in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So just a few more notes, though, before I wrap up. Paragraph 1733 of the Catechism says, the more one does what is good, the freer one becomes. So there's a fun fact. How do we grow more and more in this freedom? Because it won't be an overnight process. Well, 
the more we do what is good, the freer we'll become. So it starts in the teeniest, tiniest, smallest of ways. And then we have more grace to do the next thing, right? And that will continue to build on one another. Freedom makes man responsible for his acts to the extent that they are voluntary. Okay, so this is reading from paragraph 1734. Here's some other things that we can do to grow in this freedom. So one, we can choose the good and that will beget more acts of goodness and more freedom, okay? But here are some other things paragraph 1734 is outlining. Progress in virtue, knowledge of the good, I knew I was going to mispronounce this. Ascesis, I think that's how you pronounce it. Like, you know, like the ascetical life, living the ascetical life, ascesis, enhance the mastery of the will over its acts. So these things, progress in virtue, knowledge of the good, and ascesis, enhance the mastery of the will over its acts. This is how we strengthen our will and strengthen even our reason to choose this good, right? We can participate in these things. We can progress in virtue. What is virtue? What is virtue? I'll tell you what, when I was beginning um, to really take my spiritual life seriously, um, it was incredibly helpful for me to go, like, just go online and find 12 different virtues. And I think we've talked about this in a past podcast. Maybe that was a different show that I host. Either way, I'll give you the the brief of it now. So I went on and I found 12 virtues that I knew I needed to grow in. I just Googled virtues, right? And a bunch of them came up online and I picked 12. There was no rhyme or reason to it, but humility, charity, uh, prudence, fortitude. And if I didn't know what they meant, then I looked up the definition. Even if I thought I knew what they meant, I looked up the definition. So I had my 12 different virtues and I had their definition. And every month I dedicated it to a different virtue. So I don't know, March, let's say, was the month I was working on fortitude. And I knew what fortitude was. Here's what fortitude is. Um, And so I would look at the ways that I was failing in that virtue. And I would take that to confession when I was going to confession regularly, like once a month, right? And I would know that, okay, here's here's where I found that I, I did cooperate the grace to grow in fortitude, okay? Here's some examples. But here are some ways that I failed at that right? And I found, like, I did this for many, many years, and I found towards, towards um, after doing it for several years, like humility, I got stuck on humility for several months, because I was beginning to see over and over again, the ways I was failing to grow in that virtue, never in, um, you know, never in a self-abusive kind of way. I was like, oh, I'm such a terrible person. But no, just this is the reality. These are things I'm attached to. I'm attached to my own pride. I'm attached to my own opinion. I'm attached to um, my own way of thinking that this is the way that we need to do this when there's a million different ways that this could be done, right? So growing in these virtues is one way that we um, we strengthen our will to choose the good, okay? Um, the knowledge of the good, having knowledge. Somebody asked me this in a meeting the other day. Yeah, but how do I... Like, how do I go about like continuing these, these, these good habits or how do I go, how do I go about like knowing what's right and what's good and like making these decisions? Well, you have to study, right? You have to study your faith. You have to study the truth. You have to study sacred scripture and not just, you know, anybody's interpretation of scripture, but what the church is giving us of what is meant by the sacred scripture. And again, we don't have to make this up. There's beautiful people out there who are giving us these tools. Um, Father Mike Schmitz comes to mind in his podcast, um, Bible in a Year or the Catechism in a Year. Like these are things that even if we can't do them in a year, that will really help us understand and learn our faith. And when 
when we have this knowledge of the good, right? Okay, we know clearly what's right and wrong. That'll strengthen our will to choose the good, right? We're no longer ignorant in the best of ways. We don't want to remain in ignorance when the Lord has given us the resources to grow in truth and to grow in knowledge, right? We want to cooperate with the gifts he's given us. And then, of course, living this ascetical life it strengthens our our will as well to choose the good. And what does that mean? That would be like our fasting. Um, that would be um, like our mortifications that we take on. So if we know that we struggle with like a sugar addiction, let's say, um, then we choose some ascetical practices that could help uproot that. Um, so we're fasting from sugar or we're doing something like that. You know, um, maybe, you know, we're addicted to alcohol or something like that. So so we, we do some ascetical practices, basically where we intentionally tell our body no, right? The flesh is screaming at us. You have to eat that piece of cake. And you, t- you say, no, I don't. No, I don't. I'm going to choose. And that would be an ascetical practice, like that you're, you're choosing that for the purpose of strengthening your will, right? And the piece of cake doesn't seem like a big thing, but when you, when you choose these ascetical practices and you start denying your flesh in these little ways, it, it grows your ability to um, say no to the things you need to say no to and yes to the things you need to say yes to in greater ways, Right. You can look to the martyrs of the church, right? Most of these martyrs did not become martyrs overnight. They were men and women who were walking very, very faithfully and maybe were asked to like, um, you know, say yes to things that were strengthening their will for a very, very long time before God asked of them that ultimate sacrifice. And they had that ability, that strength, that resolve to say, yes, I'm giving my life for this, right? Um, So anyway, these things are ways that we can grow over time in this freedom, allowing God to detach us from the things that we've become overly attached to, to free us from the things that we've become enslaved to, right? And more and more, we enter fully into this gift that he gained for us on the cross, this gift of freedom, right? For freedom, Christ set us free, scripture tells us. And so we we begin to really receive this gift of freedom as we become interiorly free, right? And go back. What does that mean? We don't have to make this up. Freedom is the power rooted in reason and will to act or not to act, to do this or that, and so to perform deliberate actions on one's own responsibility. Father Kentenich saw the need for people to be free and so they could be capable of making responsible choices. If we're not free, we're going to go wherever the wind blows us. If the current is flowing one way, we're going to jump in and that's the way we're going to go if we don't have that freedom to choose, right? So Pete, we need to be free so we can make these responsible choices. Schoenstatt, we know this, is aiming at forming personalities in Christian communities that are capable of freely supporting God's plan in the world in which they live. So we don't respond by instinct. We don't respond by our temptations Um, from the world or from the flesh or from the evil one. We make deliberate acts of the will using reason and charity to be our guide. Is this in love with God? Is this in love with our fellow man? Am I choosing the good? So that was a lot to take in, a lot more than what I think we normally discuss on this podcast, but I think the Lord was with us and that gives us plenty to um, really chew on and ponder. This question again, what does it truly mean to be free? Go back to this quote of Father Kentonick. I'll read it one more time. To play the game of love, we need to be interiorly free, perfectly free, 
free from ourselves. So what does this all mean? What does the catechism tell us about freedom? And how can we go about embracing this gift of freedom, the dignity of who we are, that we can initiate and control our own actions? How can we better receive this gift of the freedom won for us and gained for us by Christ on the cross? As always, my friends, it was a joy and a blessing and a privilege to be with you. I humbly ask that you keep me in your prayers and know that I'm praying and sacrificing for you in a special way as well. Um, We're going to end this podcast today with the apostolate prayer that most of you are probably familiar with. This is one that's in, you know, our trifold of prayers, but I want you to pay particular close attention to the prayer this time. I'm going to offer you just a little bit of a fresh perspective. We talked briefly in this episode about the enemies that we always are fighting, right? The enemies of what? The world, the flesh, and evil itself, right? So, so often we think our enemy is Satan and he's always out to get us anyway. It is, right? We are, we are, we are fighting spiritual attacks, no doubt. But we're also fighting against our own egos and our own flesh and our own perspectives and the own the lies that we've come to believe as truths over the air. Like we're fighting against that too. And we're fighting against just the world, right? What the culture is telling us is good and true, right? We're fighting against that all the time too. And so when we read or pray this apostolate prayer tonight, today on this, this episode together, and then perhaps down the road as well, when we think about the enemies and we think about inviting the Blessed Mother to intercede for the healing of our nations and for ourselves. I want you to really think about that this is more than just like there's one enemy out there and if this one enemy is defeated, then here we go. Because the enemy lies too within us, right? And a part of this, part of this being interiorly free is going and living at the depths in our own interior life and allowing the Lord to free us from the things that we personally, you and I, have become enslaved to. It's so much easier to point the finger and place the blame and just say, if you figured this out, whoever you are that I'm mad at and that I disagree with at the moment, then the world we live in would be a better place. But when we do that, we're really just avoiding looking in the mirror. And we're really just avoiding saying, you know what, that person may have things they need to work on. I may disagree with how they handled that situation. But the reality is, is I'm only in control of my own emotions. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm only in control of my own actions. Sometimes our emotions are out of our control. That's a topic for another day. But I'm only in control of my own actions, right? And so we're going to choose to allow the Lord to grow us in virtue. And so we can better embrace what it truly means to be free, okay? So personal responsibility, that's part of this as well, growing in this self-knowledge. And so as we pray this prayer together, just keep that in mind. The enemies we face, the world, the flesh, the evil one, these are always with us, right? And the Blessed Mother wants to fight this victory and intercede for us. And we also know that Christ has already won this victory. So may we have the grace to fully receive what he gave to us, what he won for us by his victory, by his death and resurrection. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mother thrice admirable, Mother of grace, teach us your enemies bravely to face, never regarding their number and might, spreading your love over the earth's dark night, so that the world through you made new pay to your Son his homage due. Mother, with your child from heaven, Descend upon our nation's plains, 
so that, in following your footsteps, it may find true and lasting peace. Mother and child united in love, through you alone can our nation be healed. Mother Thrice Admirable, Queen and Victress of Schoenstatt, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.